this retro thing for what it is Nostalgia goggles heavy on those things when we were kids I've got the memories of falling while my hair is turning gray I'm thinking back on all the things that were better yesterday So for all those things nostalgic I have so do is delight Okay, uh, welcome to episode 40. That's kind of ridiculous. 40. It is really ridiculous. This is 40. That's what I thought we were doing. <laughs> this is 40. This, Isn't that what we're doing? That's what I prepared for. This is 40, and guys, this is pod racing. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. I love everything about it. Because we're doing it. Uh, assuming you're all listening to this on Sunday, because why wouldn't you be? It is. Oh, also, I'll lead. Uh, you're already probably like, oh, they sound not as good as in previous weeks, and that is because Rob's here. Rob yeah, is here. Maybe, but we haven't. Maybe. I mean, I have to establish first why they're like. Why do I have to turn the audio? No, I just so meant much? like that's why we sound bad. I was oh. wondering if that's why it was a joke. <laughs> I see. Yeah, it's we better when you have to explain. We it. don't make fun of people oh. here. This is a safe space. Yeah, that's not true. Though, this, is is a, it? this is a safe space. Doesn't seem true at all. <laughs> just because Rob's silly accent is just you know distracting everyone. I'm sorry, everyone with the same accent. So why aren't people listening on Sunday? Probably because we've been on a bit of a streak of forgetting to tell people that Sundays. <laughs> yeah, it started as it drop. started as me avoiding spoilers for things, and then it just became negligence. <laughs> but uh, I'll get better. And yes, we're not in, our, in the recording space that we've been in in the last few weeks due to scheduling and timing and needing to get an episode recorded. So we are in a different space. While who knows what goes on in our usual spot? Probably a podcast of lesser quality. Uh, I thought there were no other podcasts. I, I would th- we're leading the way. People oh. have started to listen and go, this is a good idea. We should do the same thing. Uh, so, yeah, everyone listening on Sunday, it is the official right now, but not like now now, but then now, 20th anniversary of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, which means it has been 20 years to the day since me and 30 high school people left a theater feeling scared and sad and alone. We're super excited and very, very happy. Uh, there was like one or two people who were like, you guys are crazy! And we were like, you're not our friend anymore. And I think there's there's also somewhere in between. And I feel like we've just previewed this episode pretty well. Uh, yes, so we have every uh, end of the Star Wars spectrum of fandom here today. We have Curtis joining us for the first time in a while, I think since Earthbound. Uh, Earthbound or Video Narky Top Ten? Which one did? Oh, uh, I think Earthbound might have been the new yeah, one. Yeah, okay. Uh, right. So Curtis is here as the biggest Star Wars fan I know, wearing a shirt and a tattoo Wait. from the franchise right now, and Star Trooper Super Socks. Uh, and then mid, so I guess I, if I had to describe my perspective of your Star Wars fandom, it is like I have seen all of the movies a ridiculous amount of times. I play the video games. I read all the books. I read the comics. I attend the fan-themed conventions at least once. Yes, yeah, those things would all be true. Basically, once Disney announced that there was no more expanded universe and everything that is produced is canon, I've consumed probably 98% of that. There's some, I think, two books that I haven't read. Um, Is that due to time or due to... I started one of them and I couldn't just get myself into it. That would be Tarkin. Oh, and, like, oh and, then, interesting. and then you, I think, liked that book. I did like yeah. that one, yeah. I you just guys... could not get myself into Tarkin. And then uh, 
it wasn't weapon. It was um, whatever the Luke Skywalker focused one that came out before oh. the Journey of the Force Awakens yes, one. Didn't like that. One. Uh, I just never got around to actually reading it, and now it's been so long that I just don't worry about going back to it. Okay, so we will not tag those authors Correct. in this episode. Yes, <laughs> got it. Uh, and then we have Rob, who I would say is mid tier, yep. probably. Like, well, seen the movies. It depends. I'm mid tier when when Curtis is here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'd say yeah. that if we're looking at the overall population of the Earth, I'm probably top five percent. Okay. But okay, so you read most of the books. Yeah. Don't really play the video games. No, but that's a, a thing for me in general. I don't I guess play many true. video games. And you've seen the movies like few times at least yeah i want to say for anything that was released before 2015 i've probably seen it 10 times at this point okay and then there's me i have seen each of the movies three four times except for the newer ones i've played a couple of the video games i've read none of the books i like star wars but i I, my knowledge can't go like who is it that you referenced earlier and i was like i have no idea who you're talking about oh boss nass yeah (laughs) That just sounds like you made that up. Uh, So I also feel like we have, as a result, got every end of the Phantom Menace fandom spectrum. So going around, how many times have each of us seen the Phantom Menace? I'm going to start with what I presume is most to least, Curtis. Uh, I really never put much thought into it. I probably saw it maybe five times in theaters, but at that time I was pretty young, so it was hard to like make my way to the theater many times uh and also it was in shitty pembroke where it was sorry pembroke yeah sorry (laughs) pembroke but you you know what this is uh but uh probably since then i don't know maybe 20 25 30 times something like that probably if anyone from pembroke wants to write in and defend pembroke like this podcast at gmail.com where once again i am so confident we've received no emails that i did not check i'm sad to say that their internet might be out right now uh oh! What happened in Pembroke? They're flooded. They're flooding. Oh yeah, yeah! Sorry, Pembroke. They're pretty much underwater. No one. They're des- not going to hear this. No one deserves what's happening. Any of that. Rob, how many times? Um, twice at the theaters, uh, four times during the Star Wars drinking game, and other than that, hard to count. So that's why I'm going for ten as a ballpark. For yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. yeah, three, three. Once in theaters. Once when the Blu-ray set came out, and this time. Um. I mean, this is probably a good segue to just get right into it. So the first time, I was not... And especially because that came off of, like, there's a... And then we left, and like, oh, no! And then uh, my memory of then is when uh, 2, Attack of the Clones, came out. We saw that, and we're like, well, it was better than 1. And then when I went through them all again on Blu-ray, it was the opposite. Where I was like, okay, 1 is a little better than I remember, and 2 is a little worse. And then watching Phantom Menace this week... And maybe it was because it had this error that I was watching it as like a homework assignment. I'm more back to what I felt like 20 years ago. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I so I remember uh, skipping school when I was it would, I would have been 15, I think, um, and you know just telling my teachers it's like yeah no we're the tickets go on sale at noon so we're gonna leave we're coming to school and then we're gonna leave and walk there and stay there all day and then we had to stay there. Up, like so we got our tickets at 12 then went into the other line and stayed in that line until midnight because this is when they were terrible and only did midnight showings and watched it at a midnight showing and i remember coming out of it and thinking that was amazing i like especially the ending i uh, i will put 
uh, Duel of the Fates as the greatest uh, Star Wars piece of uh, music. I, I don't think you'll get much disagreement no. in this room. I, I, like as much as I love, you know, like Star Wars or uh, Imperial March, like they're great. But Duel of the Fates is beyond the best piece of music that's ever been composed. Oh, uh, while you're talking, I'll get out a. And uh, and then I would say the lightsaber battle uh, between Darth Maul, Qui-Gon Jinn, and Obi-Wan Kenobi is probably one of the best put-together fight scenes that exists in Star Wars and probably even greater than that. That was a text I sent to Rob while watching the movie. Would you have understood what I was doing there? Yeah, there you go, yeah. yeah. Ba, 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 ba. My problem with it was ba, that you kind of jumped to a different part of the... <laughs> like I said, I picked the two best parts. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so I remember coming out of that and focusing on that those two pieces Mm. and just being like that was amazing Mm. and i will uh, forever defend that movie to the death because of those two pieces and just loving those pieces so much and this is what comes to me with star wars with a lot of different things i get into a lot of verbal and written arguments about the last jedi and i'm gonna yes immediately jump into the last jedi here for a second and Which the internet, I heard, universally loves. Yes, as much as they love uh, the current season like of Game, I of, Game Thrones, of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. I see nothing but, do you know what my two favorite pieces of media are? The eighth Star Wars movie and the eighth season of Game of Thrones. They are so, nailing it. Uh, so I, I, you know, maybe it's just me, and when there's these minor things that people are annoyed with, like bombs dropping in space or Jar Jar Binks, <laughs> I can just be like, yeah, it's fine, it's whatever. It doesn't matter, because the best outweigh that more than anything else that can possibly I was happen. following along with you until you said that that all outweighs Jar Jar Binks. I have nothing original to say, I don't think. That's the problem, is I don't have enough to bring to the table that people haven't been complaining about for 20 years. I 100% agree with you that this movie ends very strong. Yeah. Especially going through this rewatch like that. The fight between the three of them and that whole bit where they have to wait for the laser wall to drop, so they're just kind Ooh. of pacing back and forth, yeah. waiting for that moment. It's like, okay, this I, is I need to talk so about that good. moment, because uh, I went to see this movie by myself in the theaters the first time I went. Nobody would come. Couldn't believe it. Nobody would come with me. Well, so that's that's the overseas draw of Star Wars, yeah. in, in a nutshell. You look at <laughs> box office mojo in every single Star Wars. It's domestic. It's crazy huge. Mm-hmm. And overseas is like, yeah, okay, sure. Space yeah. rubbish. I mean, I'm sure no it still things. did well. It must have been the number one release in the UK at the time but uh, the theatres weren't full and I'd heard that the on the initial showing at midnight which I didn't go to uh, it broke so they had a spell of 20 minutes where the, the movie wasn't working for whatever reason and I got to that scene where the locks happened and the screen's all of a sudden red and fuzzy and I was like shit it's happened again <laughs> this is no good um, but I'm, Curtis I'm completely with you like yeah. that end scene and the music and everything is phenomenal like it's it's, it's probably might be my best, my favorite moment in any of the Star Wars Absolutely. Yeah. You it's framed it like I didn't so just agree with you yeah. both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, uh, he, he established this yeah. as, as where we were okay. going. <laughs> Dre, Dre and I went to a uh, Music of John Williams mm-hmm. uh, at the NAC. I went here. too. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, you know, they had the big curtain behind him and he's doing this, his whole thing, he's going through, you know, all the major hits, you know, he's hitting the Harry Potters and the Jurassic Parks and doing a few Star Wars in between. And then he comes to Duel of the Fates, and the curtain shoots up, and it's just all just a large crowd of, of chorus singers, and they just hit it so perfectly mm-hmm. that I just I melted in that scene. That, mm-hmm. that was just the and greatest. And then you looked at Dre and said, "Sex will never be as good ever again." 
no, we just did it right there. And then it was like, you add that all in I assume together. the whole crowd yes. did. <laughs> because there's nothing else you can do to duel the face except bone or kill people. I'll send text messages. Pop, 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 pop. That's probably as much as we can do without getting sued. Uh, yeah, all that's great. Like the, the, yeah, the laser wall and like just how quickly as soon as it drops, they're just getting back into it. Everything about that fight is great. Um, I've seen some criticism of it which bothered me briefly when I thought that this was such a good lightsaber fight. They, people say that if you look at it in certain frames, they're swinging at nothing. Nobody is actually trying to hit anything, and it's just choreography rather than actual fighting. That's just but I watched movies. it again last night, and I disagree. Yeah, I don't that's, think that that's I'm, true. I'm perfectly fine again with anything like that happens. Like, there's a scene, I'm going to go back to The Last Jedi again, of a, again, super great lightsaber battle, the throne room battle. Mm -hmm. And there's a scene where... Um, Ray is getting tied up with one of the uh, uh, the guards. I forget blank on the name of them right now, but um, and he's got a two-handed weapon, and he grabs her by the one arm, and he's got the other arm free. You can just stab her, and it's right. over. And they're just like, yeah, just digitally remove it. And they just digitally remove <laughs> it, and then in the next scene, it's back. And it's like it doesn't really matter. It's still a movie at the end of the day, and I'm just gonna sit there and enjoy it. Yeah, that's and fun. I'm I'm perfectly happy with just turning off that piece of my brain and going like, ah, oh, this is so cool. And that's definitely where I was back when this movie first came out. I was not a critical viewer of movies. I went to see things I already knew I was gonna love. Yeah. Here's my problem. I feel like for a lot of The Phantom Menace, you cannot turn off your brain because the, the story is so like, okay, so trade roots, and that person is this person, and they're mad at this person. There's almost too much plot. Yeah, so that's been one of the bigger criticisms, and even George Lucas has come out and said, like, he's like, yeah, it may have been a little complicated, especially for the target audience, because, you know, you have somebody like Jar Jar Banks, who is clearly targeted at a younger demographic, and there's, uh, you know, pratfalls, and every all that kind of stuff is existing for those laughs. And... Is everybody gives Jar Jar shit? Like, a camel farts in his face yeah, at one point, and I yes. wanted to die every sure. time. <laughs> yes, and as a, a teenage male, I can totally understand that. But I talk to a large swath of fans across different age demographics, and people who grew up with it at that time, like they fell in love with Star Wars because of Jar Jar Binks. So in that I'm situation, need sources on this. In that situation, like that is what he's targeting. He's making he's making a movie for kids. At the end of the day, this is a movie for kids. It's not for every like every single person who saw Return of the Jedi in theaters, right? Like that's not who he's made it for. He's made it for kids so that they can start and grow up with it while still trying to pepper in the stuff that everyone's going to enjoy. And that those Star Wars fans who can be like, yeah, I can ignore a fart in the face because I of can't. Darth Maul and because yeah. of the fantastic acting of uh, you know Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor and yeah. end and of list. <laughs> I Natalie, <laughs> Natalie Portman nailed her role perfectly. Like Natalie Portman nailed her role perfectly. I think those three was actors her role did, of a bad actor. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Whether, I'm going to disagree, I don't know but. whether to to pull off the whole decoy thing. She has to act badly as Amidala because that's kind of Amidala's thing. She. Uh, she can't speak properly. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Has your son seen but it? Like, like a there's, there's, a, there's a high... Well, so... And they go into this, and this is this is one of my actual complaints about the Star Wars universe right now with the books, is that you can have something like that and go like, well, that's weird that they did that because they never explained it in the movies. Mm. But then you have a book like Queen Shadow where they go into detail about her putting on the mask of mm. Amidala mm -hmm. and being Amidala versus being Padme mm -hmm. and how they 
they've they've created this character of Amidala that all of the uh, all of the different um, what are they called? Whatever the uh, handmaidens, all the different mm-hmm. handmaidens can play that role, and right. they've all practiced this role and done the voice and figured out how that character acts so that they can flip in and out of character. And that to me leads into watching something like Phantom Menace and going like, yeah, I can see that. I can see how they're they're playing this back and forth, and she's being this character when she's Amidala versus being this character when she's Padme, and using like she, she talks in Queen Shadow about using the Amidala voice and using the Amidala face and the look and and presenting that person as opposed to presenting the Padme and you can see that but on the flip side does that make it a bad movie because they need a book to explain that aspect of it I, I've I've gone back and forth a bunch yeah. of times with that because I feel like I mean, I'm again I know we're talking about Phantom Menace but I'm going to jump to a few different things mm-hmm. I look at things like um Rebel Rising and uh, Catalyst. Those books? Yes, they're books. Making uh, Rogue One significantly better. Those two books make that movie like one of my favorite movies. Mm -hmm. But when I saw that movie, it was like, yeah, so it's pretty good. It's like, it's a good Star Wars movie. It's fun. Um, First half kind of drags and doesn't make a lot of sense. And then you read those two books and you go, oh, that now that start is amazing Mm -hmm. because you have that context. Does that that make Rogue One a bad movie? Movie, like just a movie, not not the story mm. itself. But I think there's actually fairly wide agreement in the non-Star Wars fan audience that Rogue One is the best movie that they've made. So I think it is actually quite well liked. Yeah. Um, but I agree that like the books really, really set that movie up well. And I think that's probably why I look back on Phantom Menace so fondly mm. is because if I think of the three main eras, uh, prequel, uh, original, and sequel trilogy. Those three main areas, if I want media told to me from one of those three areas, it's always going to be prequel era mm-hmm. because they're just they're they're telling such amazing stories. They're wrapping all this stuff together. There's so many ways they can go and so many different stories they can tell that, yes, give me more Phantom Menace timeline mm-hmm. content. Give me more information around that time because yeah. I love those stories. I mean, and slightly on that theme, two of the books from the EU that I really, really love were the tales from uh, Mos Eisley Cantina and from Jabba's Palace because they kind of did the same thing. They were going off on lots of different paths. Yeah. 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 I feel like if we were in a courtroom and you were defending Natalie Portman's acting in this movie and you gave that speech, that's when the crowd would stand up and applaud. <laughs> <laughs> and then the credits would roll. I've got to say that I'm confused about the idea that the Queen persona is one that seems to be like less charismatic and more monotone. That's, that's a weird choice. For me, it stood out at the end when she's leading the whoever's to fight the whoever's. <laughs> that whole sequence... That's when, I don't know, that's when it stood out to me as like, okay, well, at this point, we know what's up, and we know who you are, and you're still just like, we need to go over there, and we need to get that. That's a thing we need to do. It's like, emote, Portman, I know you can. You were <laughs> already fair. established at that's this fair. point. Mm-hmm. Um, two other actors I'd probably like to note are uh, Sam Jackson. Like He didn't have a lot to do in this movie, but clearly then made Mace Windu into the character that he was. You know, push that forward into both his more prevalent role in both Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. as well as the portrayal of that character across things like uh, Clone Wars, which mm-hmm. he's very present in. Uh, and then you can't not talk about uh, Ray Park and mm. his role as Darth Maul and what he brought to that character. He keeps coming to Comic-Cons and I keep almost getting to meet him. I would like to meet Ray Park. I've heard he's a nice dude and he just like will all of a sudden come out from behind his table and just do dope lightsaber moves. Yeah. 
he uh, he was at the the uh, convention that I went to, and he was you know he had a lot of great stories to tell, and he talked about being you know a 19 year old kid on set with these really really big time actors, um, using people like Ian McDermott to learn the ropes and understand mm-hmm. what he should be doing and not be doing and all that stuff. Um, How bad is his voice? That they oh, had it's to terrible. Use someone like, else he's got, he's, he sounds like you. He's got like the Cockney <laughs> accent. Just, no. uh, but it's like he he's Oi, he's, <laughs> he's got that that That's Cockney so good, accent like, and stuff. Django and they were, Fett. They were trying to figure out. Who? Oh, never. No, I know who Django Fett. Uh, he's but yeah, so brother. He was voiced by. Uh, uh, Peter Serafinovitz, who is uh, yeah. Yeah, a comedian that I quite like, and uh, and he happens to be in Spaced, which was something I was going to bring this back around to, because yeah. there's a phenomenal scene in Spaced where Tim is in the comic book store and he's explaining to somebody who you can't see why The Phantom Menace was terrible, and he's absolutely ranting and raving and shouting. And the last line of his rant is something along the lines of, take all of your 50Ps and piss off, and the camera pans to a nine-year-old kid who's trying to buy a Jar Jar doll. <laughs> it's an incredible scene. <laughs> Um, yeah, he, he actually steals Tim's girlfriend, Peter Serafinovich does. Yeah. Uh, and he uses the line that he uses as Darth Maul in the scene when he's talking about stealing Tim's girlfriend. Uh, did you hear the story that he did do the voiceover originally in, um, in Solo? No. So when Darth Maul, spoiler, when Darth Maul, yeah. when Maul, no longer Maul, Darth, yeah. when Maul shows up at the end of Wait, Solo. Wait, how come he was stripped of his Darth status? He drops the Darth status and becomes just Maul. Because it's, cool, it's cooler. Uh, no, because he denounces the Sith. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, is that a Clone Wars thing? There's a Clone Wars mm-hmm. slash okay. Rebels thing. Maybe I'll just put up a mess. We're gonna spoil all of the Star Wars. This is warning. So the notes. the story goes is that uh, they got Peter Sarah. Sar- How do you say pronounce I think his last it's name again? Serafinovich. That sounds about I think right. That's it. Um, and uh, so he recorded the voice, and they got Dar- uh, Ray Park to come back and got him into the Darth Maul setup and stuff. And he, you know, talks to Kira, does that whole thing, and then. Uh, Peter, I'll just say Peter, uh, brings his kids to the movies and stuff, and he's like, hey, we're going to see it. And then that scene comes up, and he hadn't told anybody because it was you know, sworn to secrecy, and that voice came up, and it was Sam Witwer. It wasn't not his voice. Oh, no And way. he was just like, oh, this is awkward. Because nobody actually told him that he was actually, re- that they also got Sam Witwer, who, in my head, Sam Witwer is Darth Maul. Right. Uh, like, he's is 100%. He the Force Unleashed guy? No, he's the, yes, he is the Force Unleashed guy, yes. Like the main so, dude in Force Unleashed? Yes. So he Force does Unleashed? the voice of uh, Darth Maul in Clone Wars. Okay. And That's why pretty, I was pretty much everything. I was like, like I played those games. I don't remember that. <laughs> so, uh, to me, he's always going to be Darth Maul, and mm. having his voice come back makes way more sense, um, which the second he, you see the robot leg, and then him say the voice yes it was just like that's Darth Maul oh my god and they have Sam Witwer this is amazing so I loved everything I was in the theater with Curtis and all you heard was (laughs) I'm surprised they let us stay have you played the Force Unleashed games no they're worth your time well the first one is definitely worth your time the second is a step down but still has I I would say that the first one has a much better story Mm -hmm. the second one the story is batshit crazy but the gameplay is like significantly better like it's it's a much it's a fun ride is this the one where you're just running around doing force things yes like just force pushing people off I didn't even realize there was a story I thought it was just like a platformer essentially yeah I remember being pretty surprised by how much I enjoyed that because up until then I've played what those games, Shadow of the Empire, Knights of the Old Republic, he must have played, and that I didn't. Phenomenal I game. didn't finish it. But no. was, was Kotor? Yeah, Kotor was before that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I got about ten hours in and was like, "This is okay," and then someone spoiled the twist, and I was like, "Well, I'm done." 
Hmm. And I never went back. Here's my problem with the end. So you got this awesome fight going on. You're like, this is the best. This is awesome. And then it keeps cutting back to Jar Jar Bink. I fell down. I'm fucking everything up. Yeah, the Gungans part of the fight is is the weakest part. Yeah. yeah. Like, I can take a little, like, oh, he fell down. And a thing he did led to an unplanned victory. But it is just constant. Like, five or six Jar Jar Binks slapsticky moments in a row mm-hmm. during that fight to the point where you're just, like, they need to kick him off the battlefield. Because he's causing more damage than he mm-hmm. actually yeah, is. Yeah, like this is isn't helping. charming. He's not helping in any way. This is frustrating. Yeah. Instead, they just keep promoting him. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you're general now. <laughs> oh, I don't know about it. And then uh, I've dropped all these things and that kind of worked out. And now you have to come save me. And I'm on this tank and it's crazy. And you're just like, oh my God, please cut back to the cool thing. Why there would is... you ever think we want to see this instead? Like, we know, Rob, we know, Curtis, that while that's happening, there's way cooler shit over there that we could be looking at. Mm. Why am I not looking at that? It's three big set pieces that they want to show. And it is, at the end of the day, a thing to get kids to buy toys, I, get people yeah. to enjoy like like big things, right? So it's like you have yeah. to introduce the battle droids. like, And having a big ground... like This was the first time mm, yeah, that they had a large ground battle, a large space battle, and a one-on-one, like a lightsaber fight all going on at the same time. Right. And they were trying to... like show that whole thing. I get what they were going for. And as an overarching story, again, I can turn off my brain to Jar Jar being ridiculous because of all the cool shit, other shit that's did, going on. And at home video, you can just fast forward those parts. <laughs> did I read somewhere that Hasbro put like 100 million towards this movie? Uh, with the possibility of getting the toy deal before it was actually like finished. So there was a that thing. sounds like it would yeah, be Yeah, right. so where they got the second set of rights and then they ran into a bunch of issues with okay. their material that they were okay. creating and stuff. Like There was a lot of episode one Oh, toys even I, remember. I wasn't like, buying any of it, but I remember walking into a Toys R Us and just this quarter of our store, this is the episode <laughs> one section. Yeah. Um, Please buy it. I have questions about the Gungans as a race. The amphibious nature of their, their creatures that they have access to. Those things that they ride on. they got two legs. They're quite top-heavy. How are they swimming? Or do they just like stay somewhere on land while everybody else lives secretly on the You only ever see them on land. I yeah, imagine, right? I'm, so I'm confused by yeah. that concept. Why do they have such a good land-fighting force? I mean, when you when you live in secret on a, on a world that is predominantly land, it makes some sense. But where's that secret storage facility? <laughs> they were definitely able to put together a, a like formative squadron of like attack ready mm-hmm. people considering they've never really been in a war with anyone right. and, and they like they had all the right stuff to prepare like they <laughs> to clearly, defend themselves against they clearly aren't and all good at it because they made fucking Jar Jar Binks a general <laughs> so clearly the people at the top are just winging it like you you were here you're in charge now oh he's a funny character fall down have you read the racist criticism of this movie? I did back yeah. when it came out, but yeah. I haven't revisited it. it, it, it so there's, it. yes, because there's not just Jar Jar in that situation. There's the, um, uh, oh, what is it? The, the Trade they, Federation. Oh, yeah, New what are they actually right called? Yeah, I can't remember. Nimodians? Nimodians? Is that something like that? Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, that they're very Asia Pacific. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Robes and accents. Mm. Yeah, uh, there was another example as well that I forget. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily like. Is that racism or is it? Um, 
uh, the thing where you borrow from different cultures appropriation. appropriation. Yeah. Culture, is it more cultural appropriation? I think in or? that case, yes. I think with Jar Jar, there was a criticism that like there had been in the past um, black characters that were there for comedy value only because of yeah. their stupidity, and they felt like they were playing on that. Like a, a minstrel bit. show kind of thing? Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and while... Um, Ahmed Best has directly like talked about that situation, okay. right? Like, and he doesn't agree with any of that. Okay. Um, so I'll I'll take his word. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> if anybody's gonna feel that it's fine, it's, fair enough. I'll, it's Ahmed Best's call, I guess. But mm. I don't know. I can I as three white guys sitting around yeah. talking. Yeah, that's, it's hard. Point. It's hard for us that's to really say whether or not it's silent because yes. I have to yeah. be on more episodes. You two are disposable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a challenge for Curtis. You successfully defended Natalie Portman. Sell me on Jake Lloyd. Sell you on Jake Lloyd. Well, so I, I did I did write up some notes specifically okay. about Jake Lloyd. That's um, I think lawyers I do are think, allowed to do I that. I think most of the the criticism that he's got is pretty unfounded. He's got a script that he's working with that was written by George Lucas that everybody will agree most of the George Lucas written stuff is okay, mm-hmm. um, and that he needs someone to help him punch that stuff up. And that when he's leaned on other uh, other screenwriters and, and people to help punch up his work, that the writing gets much, much better. Now, George Lucas was kind of given carte blanche to do whatever the hell he wanted to do with episode one. He wrote, directed, did, made all the decisions. He did everything. So I don't feel that a lot of the criticism to Jake Lloyd is uh, specifically around Jake Lloyd. I would say a lot of the criticism that people have of him is the way he was directed and is the way he was, uh, the, the words that were written for him that he had to say. Yeah. Um, he's still a kid at that point. And I would also tie that to a lot of the criticism, criticism that Hayden Christensen had as well in the later two movies where a lot of the stuff he's saying about, you know, I don't like sand. It's coarse. Blah blah blah. It's just like oh, has there ever been like, like a late night bit where they got big name actors to try and make that line sound good? <laughs> I, I, that seems like a really good because idea. I, I kind of do agree that there's a lot of dialogue in one and two. I remember three being a very good movie overall. Uh, that just seems unwinnable. Yeah. Like that, there's no one on this planet who could deliver. I hate sand. It's rough. It's coarse, and it gets everywhere and not be the stupidest thing you've ever heard. See, and and yet, there was a petition when Anakin Skywalker was brought into Star Wars Battlefront 2 that every time he spawns on a sand world, he huh. absolutely had to say the line, I hate sand, it's coarse and gets everywhere. And they agreed, and they, they got... <laughs> okay, that's um, amazing. Uh, I can't remember the voice actor's name who does Anakin, but they that's he says that in the game, and he specifically says that. And everyone was like cheering that that line got in there i don't think think one of the other lines that is really rough from attack the clones is the um is the love line like i i only love as much as i love you or whatever however he was trying to talk and you're breaking my heart or no three because i know that's that's another one that's got a bit of a rep yeah um like you could just cry but you have to tell him explicitly yeah this is a thing you are doing and how i'm feeling about it thanks george lucas (laughs) So I, again, I would chalk that up to a lot of the, um, the, the words that were written for him and the, the, the script that he had to deal with. Um, I think most of the stuff he did was fine. Yep. Um, I have no major complaints like his conversation with Qui-Gon, and now this is leaning on Liam Neeson's capabilities as an actor more than anything. Of which there are many. Yes, and this is... We won't get great. into the other stuff that he this said is, and did, but... 
this is Liam one of Neeson, the main things. the actor, yes. very talented. Yes. Uh, and he brought up a lot of scenes with a lot of characters in this movie, and he made them that much better. And this is one of them where, um, like, the kitchen scene, um, like, Liam Neeson's driving that whole scene, mm-hmm. but he makes both Jar Jar and Jake Lloyd um, very good in those scenes. He Those are very iconic scenes, and... Um, I think he's fine in all of those. He's, uh, I still associate Jake Lloyd to everything that has to do with pod racing, and I still think pod racing is amazing. That pod racing scene is amazing. I love exactly what they did there. It was, it was great. It was very well yeah, done. You described what I recently referred to as the John Wick effect, where you have Keanu Reeves, who seems like a fantastic dude, but we're not. Gonna, I don't think anyone here is going to sit down and defend him as a terrific actor. Nope. But then you put him in John Wick and you just surround him with all these super talented people, and as a result, it works. Right? Yeah. So that's the Jake Lloyd defense, too? Yeah, sure. like, Okay, look, he doesn't seem great, although... Like, he has moments that are pretty good in this film. He has yeah. some... Oh, yeah, I don't think he's bottom-of-the-barrel hyperbole, or like the worst child actor hyperbole that you see. Did he quit acting, or did he... He quit acting. Okay, like right away? Because I looked up his filmography, he he did some voices? He may have done a little bit after this, but the bullying, again, really pushed him over the edge. Yeah, like that's not... I mean, obviously that's not okay, but I also don't think it's even remotely deserved. Because, let's face it, most child actors... Adequate is about what you can hope for. He had one other big movie, right? I don't think it was either Last Action Hero or Jingle Jingle All the Way. Oh, Jingle All the Way. Last Action Hero. Last Action Hero was the guy from My Girl Two and something else I just watched. Austin Brian Green, Austin Green Brian, Austin Green Matthews. Some combination of those names. (laughs) Some of those were Leafs players. He was in the Lawnmower Man. That's what I just watched that he was in. That is not going to be my thing. I'm still enjoying. Maybe don't seek out the lawnmower man. The pod racing scene is very long, Curtis. Mm-hmm. I know, and very awesome. It is very long. I super awesome. Some of it, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. this time I've seen it enough times to know now that. Yeah. You made it sound like uh, it was an accident, but I, I feel like you just fast forwarded <laughs> it. I um I asked Sean yesterday if he'd played the arcade game. Did you ever get to yes, play that? Yes, absolutely. Episode one racer is maybe like, the best arcade and game. It might be why I like the pod racing scene right. so much is because I played so much episode one racer. Yeah, I only played it. I played on the N sixty four, and it was a quality racing game, but I didn't get the actual. Obviously, yeah, I didn't get to hold the things. I definitely played more of the N sixty four game than the actual arcade, but mm-hmm. it's ingrained in there that I. It's great. Yeah, I love yeah. everything about that. That scene is just crazy to me because at the very beginning they say, oh, there's still two laps to go, and then they seemingly drive for another hour and a half. <laughs> I think there's more stuff that happens. Did they add some for the DVD? I think they did. I don't think that the movie cut was the same length for the I podcast. That podcast. I don't know the answer. Pod race. Game my, my things mixed up. I don't think the effects hold up great. Whoa. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Um, like, and so I mean, I can't even hold if, that against the movie too if you much. Watch, it was Twenty years. If ago. you watch any of the behind-the-scenes stuff, especially of Jar Jar, you'll notice that he's wearing an entire Jar Jar suit the entire time he's on screen, and that's because they didn't actually think that they could do the CGI, so they wanted something to fall back on because uh, they were designing and making this CGI exist while they were making this movie. Yeah, I feel like I saw a quote from George Lucas saying, I'm making this now because technology has caught up with the story that I want to tell. Yeah. And if you watch the movie, it's 99% effects, like to the point where I'm not convinced Liam Neeson is actually in that movie. <laughs> he might be. 
I mean, maybe. Maybe he's, he saw the press release and they, he was just like, I don't remember doing this. And he's like, oh, computers. <laughs> I'll have to look back and see whether his trousers are tight enough for us to tell. I, I feel like you're well like an, av- like an Evian water bottle. I feel like you're leaning on the Liam Neeson was not enjoying being in Star Wars. No, no, he no. Did, he did... Just for the record, he did come back and do voices in Clone Wars. No, I feel like he enjoyed it. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm more so just saying that outside of the actors, I don't even know if they were ever on real sets. That's fair. Uh, uh, yeah, the, so I would I would totally agree with you. I also agree with like because it was obviously the same CGI technologies that they used when they did the special editions. I feel like they really stand out. It's very hard to see. There is things that I uh, I do find almost. Hmm, Worse, I don't know if it's worse, but like I find uh, Puppet Yoda stands out to me really badly in this movie. Now, you guys watched the Blu-ray, and I think that's the one I that did. They, I don't know how you watched they've it. They've got I, the digital. DVD. They redid with the digital Yoda after, right? I would have to think. He back looked now. pretty digital in yeah. the one I was. So watching. if you if you watch like if you go back and watch the original teaser trailer, which I do want to touch on really quickly, okay. um, but if you watch the original te- teaser trailer, like it's Puppet Yoda, and he's real like he really stands out over everything else like i understand what they were going for but it uh he he just he looks like he stands out way too much where in in attack of the clones and uh, uh revenge of the sith i find like yes okay he's i realize he's digital but he's fitting in more mm-hmm. with the world that's around him yeah i should remember my feelings on this because i i was telling sean that i did a i did an english project on a scene from the phantom menace uh, for my grade 12 english it was the scene where Qui-Gon's announcing to the group that he's uh, he's found a, a virgence in the force. A virgin, you say? Uh, I analyzed the the language in that entire scene because yeah. there's so much crazy stuff going on. There's <laughs> Yoda no... appears to be talking with words out of order, <laughs> syntax, and there's like Thesis. there's there's completely new words being introduced that don't mean anything in real life. And uh, yeah, yeah, but that's, it was a cool that's, that's scene to study. Much, that's pretty much all of Star Wars. So your thesis, your thesis I, mean, I mean, for the most part, though, the the vocabulary means something in real life usually, but that's then right. there's, there's like midi chlorians arrive in this movie. <laughs> So your your thesis was and then are thrown away. Yoda speaks weird <laughs> and sci-fi makes up terms. No, I can't remember what the uh, what the actual theme was. I think I basically shoehorned Star Wars into a project because I wanted to. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> you got to see what you can get away with. Yeah. Is that the same? Uh, is that the same? Uh, Fear is the path of the dark. Yes. The dark side yeah, scene yeah. like that. That is another iconic thing. Yeah. Like his his discussion of of that whole path and yeah. how a Jedi can fall and yeah, it's lose not his the, way. And it's not the exact scene, but it's the next one that follows yeah. when he's testing, when yeah. he's testing Anakin. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah, like, I I would say this movie introduces so much that I love about Star Wars today, um, whether it's things like uh, the Sith, which were not present at all, like, they don't mention the Sith at all in, uh, in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the introduction of them, and this is how that sets all up. It sets up Palpatine as being this overarching villain who's been around for the longest time and is putting together this entire plan to take over uh, everything. And then, of course, what's happening in uh, Rise of Skywalker definitely gives credence to that of, of him being a, a larger-than-life kind of villain. I feel like they played their hand a little bit early on the Palpatine front in this movie. They could have held off for half an hour and just had like an actual phantom menace instead of being like, here's a hologram, and now here's a very similar-looking hologram that is named Palpatine, and oh yeah, there you go. This is what's happening. It might have been nice for the viewers who are coming into this immediately 
to be like holding off on who the villain actually is for half an hour so or is, so. Is Palpatine the Phantom Menace? Palpatine well, is 100% the Phantom Menace. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I never even thought about that ever. That what the, <laughs> name, right what the name is? Like, yeah. I just didn't didn't think about it. It's yeah. not the worst Star Wars subtitle, which I would say is probably Attack of the Clones. But. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Let's get the thoughts of the group. <laughs> like, what the worst. Subtitle or of like the Star Wars movies? Your least favorite, let's say. I'm not My enjoying the favorite? new one. Yeah, like the, but, the Rise of but there's no yeah. context yet. Yeah, I, I, I can't give. I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, I don't like that immediately. Mm. But I'm like, but I'm sure it'll like. Yeah. I need. I need more let's, to it. Let's to really remove that one that from is. the conversation. Yeah. Okay. You might see that fair. movie and go, Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay. He was uh, buried underground I, and then he stood up. I'm going to definitely just. Just throw it out there. I don't like a new hope. I, I like. I get what they're going for, but it's probably my least favorite. Um, it's not that I hate it, but it's probably up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I it makes don't... It, it a little better when at the end of Rogue One, Leia's like, "Oh, they're like, what's this?" And she's like, "Oh, it's a new hope." And then she looks at the camera, <laughs> winking, gives a thumbs up. <laughs> uh, and I don't mind Attack of the Clones, uh, but it's on the nose. It's super on the nose. Yeah, and maybe that's my issue with it. Yeah, um, and it's surrounded by two great named movies. Uh, Revenge Phantom of the Sith might be Sith. my favorite one. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not movie, I should clarify to those listening. Um, oh, it's up there though. It, I really enjoy Revenge of the Sith. Uh, I might put it third overall. Mm. I don't think it beats any of the original trilogy for me. No, you're right. I, 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 in my head, in this moment, trilogy. it beat Jedi, but I don't think that's true. Jedi as a kid was my favorite. And then I grew up and was like, okay, it's not my favorite, but I've got to say that the uh, watching the Phantom Menace again made me appreciate something about the Force Awakens that I didn't like. I've never felt a real connection to that movie, but I was sat reflecting on all of Star Wars while watching the Phantom Menace and was like, actually, the Force Awakens is pretty good. <laughs> so, out. and and what I find interesting about the Force Awakens that uh, has roots back into Phantom Menace is all of the politics that are present mm. in Phantom Menace that people are just like, yeah, you didn't really need that. Like you didn't didn't you didn't need that to be in there. I love the politics right. that like and now reading the books and reading the extra material, like how that all leads in and mm. what's happening in the universe. I remember coming out of Phantom uh, Force Awakens and just being like, yeah, it was really good, but like, what's the state of the universe? Like, where, like, who's leading the Republic? Where, where's Mon Mothma? Like, right. what's, what's the Senate look like? Like, I wanted all of that information, mm-hmm. but if they would have included that, then you would have had the same problem, yeah, where it's true. this mixture of a story, and they're trying to tell all these like delegates and senators and you know the chancellor and all this stuff mixing in together, and you're yeah. just like, this is just too much. It's just too much. But at that time. He needed to establish, like, I, I understand what he's going for. It's just the execution is only okay. Right. The opening crawl of The Phantom Menace feels like a political textbook. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and that's immediately, I think, what gave me the, oh, this is homework feeling the other night. Yeah. But, uh, you know that, okay, so you know that part where there's a fish? And, and the fish eats and the other fish? And a big fish, or sh- a bigger yeah. fish shows up and eats the smaller fish? That's a good part. Yeah. <laughs> that might be my closing thoughts. <laughs> like when the big fish eats the smaller fish, because it reminds me of like underwater Godzilla, uh, which yeah. is a movie that I that someone needs to make. Although maybe they already kind of did. He goes underwater in the in the shitty nineteen ninety eight movie. So yeah, there's a lot of water in there. I remember. Yeah, 
I actually don't remember that movie much. It's I remember them great. walking through Madison Square Gardens and there's yeah. eggs everywhere. I yeah. remember that part too. Yeah. That whole and, and then the, the baby se- Godzilla's the come sequence out. Yeah. where they were like, "Yo, you guys see this Jurassic Park movie?" And like, "Yeah, let's do that." <laughs> well, it doesn't really make sense. But just shut your face and give me some raptors. And they gave them some raptors. L- lesser raptors. Lesser raptors. raptors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, are we all number one Empire? Oh, see, I've, I've, I've waned on Empire. See, like I said, I'm the most surface-level Star Wars fan ever, so my number I, one is Empire. I, if, if you would even ask me, like, of the three eras, which is my least favorite era, not, not a bad era, but my least favorite era would be Original Trilogy. Wow. Email us at likethispodcast <laughs> at gmail.com, because I'm sure now people have some thoughts. And it's not to say that I don't like it. I just find it's like the storytelling there, there's not as much of an opportunity for it, and it shows in the media that they've produced for it and Mm -hmm. the storytelling that they're doing for the prequel era and the sequel era. And the sequel era is one because there's so many unknowns, right? Like they they can really go anywhere. They can bring in, um, you know, things like uh, in the books, they've recently brought in a, a race that you could attribute to the Yusong Vong who were from the uh, expand, original expanded universe who are these like other threat from the unknown regions who mm. come and like try and take over the Republic and they're like, like this really really bad group of uh, characters that, are, that they've now brought in uh, I can't remember what they called them but the way they describe them it just sounds very much like the Yusong Vong it's like oh okay so they're going there like it's all this crazy future stuff that could happen so I've, I've kind of attributed that and that's why I like the storytelling that's happening in the sequel era and then the prequel era it's just like there's so much going on there's so mm-hmm. many different types of stories you know they've got things like the uh, the Night Sisters and, uh, and, and you know everything that happens with them and uh, all the story like their story like well we don't know where they came from or even what's happened with um, which they're going to start to tell us a little bit more of uh, what happened with Maul and the mm-hmm. Siege of Mandalore and him being in charge of Mandalore and then losing that to Ahsoka mm-hmm. and, and then all the stuff that's going to happen between like, okay, well, we know he was leading Mandalore and then we know he ends up in this Sith temple. What happened between? We know he clearly ran um, uh, uh, Crimson Dawn at one point right. because he shows up in Solo to say yeah. that. but. There's so much more that can happen there. Like, where where did all that go? Um, they recently did a uh, audio play for Count Dooku, where it was his backstory and like where he came from and growing and like growing up in the Jedi Temple and all this stuff. And it's like really greatly expanded the the history of the Jedi. So they started to go even back a little bit further. So that period of time is really rife for really great storytelling. So that's why it's also up there. Yeah. Well, I'm going to answer the the original question with an original trilogy movie. Um, I judge this based on if I had to watch one and only one for the rest of my life, which one would it be? And it would be A New Hope. That's the one I I would be most comfortable watching again and again and again until I die. So that's probably my favorite. Bad news. It's Attack of the Clones. That's the that's one you the right get to watch for the rest of your <laughs> that's life. The yeah, that's... Hey, there's two really good lightsaber battles in Attack of the Clones. And Dash Rendar is canon now, right? Yeah. The out, well, the Outrider is. Perfect. That's all I want. That's yeah. all I wanted. Uh, okay, so I guess closing thoughts, unless, Curtis, I know you have... Uh, no, I think most of I think I hit most of my stuff. I just, like, I, I really like what this sets up. You know, the whole thing with Jedi Prophecies, which just recently 
was was recently paid off in Master and Apprentice. Have you read Master and Apprentice? No. Okay, I'll try and keep it. All, all my thoughts. Oh, it's are okay. That very you, brief, you can but, you can say what you need to. Uh, um, it won't affect things. But like me. that that really gets paid off later on. So this idea of like stuff that it would introduce, um, you know, all, all the stuff with the Jedi Council, the Sith, the Rule of Two, um, the like what Jedi can actually do with the Force. Like this, there's been a lot of of stuff that's come from this. Um, I think the introduction of Obi Wan really like sprung all that forward into the rest of the prequels mm. um, and uh, again Maul as being this crazy amazing character who started here um, and that a lot of people thought his story was over um, but that they really found a great way to bring him back and continue to tell amazing stories through Maul um, not just about him but about you know what happens to these dark side users what does the rule of two mean what is the sith and uh what is palpatine's power over this whole uh whole kind of universe so i think that's all introduced in phantom menace and if it weren't for phantom menace we wouldn't have any of that i like the part where the fish eats the big fish <laughs> i didn't realize that this would actually spark my excitement again for star wars but it has and i'm very grateful and then liam neeson's like oh there's always a bigger fish and then one of them took my daughter and then it goes off in that direction for a while. Are you a fan is of the uh, are you a fan of the Weird Al song that covers this movie? Yes, I am. It's pretty weird. Uh, begins. You should know a lot of the names from there. In fact, I think he specifically says "Boss Nass" in that song. I haven't listened to that song in a very <laughs> long time. I uh, just as recently as a month ago sat in a building with about sixty five hundred people and waited for a group of people to come out to talk about the Phantom Menace and we all sang along <laughs> to that song. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so obviously Curtis is still a fan. Yeah, I absolutely am. I would say that I'm probably as excited about this movie now as I was when I left the theater back then. I never thought it was the best one, but I was happy with how it came out and then the older I got the more skeptical I got, but I'm I'm I've come full circle. I already laid it out. I don't think it's horrible. It's there's forty percent is like great, and then there's sixty percent. That is that's the math. Amazing. <laughs> so it's like that only forty percent. That is, is a great. movie. <laughs> uh, it did not spark my interest to go on to two, but it did spark my interest to watch three. So I might just skip right past two and be like, yeah, the clones attacked, and we didn't like that part, and here we are. Sand isn't the best. We'll watch three. And Dooku's pretty badass. And Dooku's pretty badass. And there's Sam Jackson. And oh, did Yoda just do a flip? Attack of the Clones. <laughs> and that was yeah. the tagline for Attack of the Clones. Oh shit, did Yoda just do a flip? And he's got a lightsaber. That would have been a good what? name for episode two as well. Uh, what's something that we're all currently enjoying? I'll go first because it'll be short because I'll try not to talk too much about it. But I recently finished Master and Apprentice. Uh, it's the latest Star Wars novel. Uh, it follows Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan um, at the start of, like, recently after Qui-Gon became a master and took on Obi-Wan as an apprentice. Um, his struggles of being a master, trying to understand how he can teach this young kid um, you know the ways of the force and the ways of going forward and it really opened up a lot of different new pieces and it showed how much Qui-Gon really believes in the prophecies of the Jedi and how mm -hmm. the Jedi don't actually follow any of like the Jedi Council kind of denounce most of the prophecies so it really shows then into Phantom Menace how much Qui-Gon is leaning on like no the prophecy like he's the prophecy he's the chosen one that the 
speak of the prophecies and why they're all like, who cares, man? Like, what are you even doing? And uh, it really kind of added a lot more to uh, Phantom Menace, going back to my previous point mm-hmm. of just growing my love for these movies through this this external media. Yeah, I'm excited to read this. I feel like Qui-Gon was an underappreciated character. So. Yeah, it's uh, it really leans on him really heavily. It gives a lot of good information around Dooku as well. Um, mm. Kind of highlights a lot of pieces with him. Nice. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So the problem with being on this show week after week is that I run out of things that I'm doing that I haven't really talked about yet. So oh, a problem got, I'm very familiar with. I've got two options. I can either say nothing or I can talk about a podcast that I really like. Is it so uh, do we still like this? Just, it's not. Just say the name. It's called Wrestle Me. Okay. They don't sound like competitors. Two British comedians who are just watching every WrestleMania. Oh, history. you told me about that. And I'm reviewing it, and they're hilarious. They tell the most amazing life stories of these wrestlers, most of which end up in either steroids and death or them murdering people. So, so favorite WrestleMania? Uh, if I had to choose right now, I would probably go six. There you go. Yeah. Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Champion versus champion. Absolutely, yeah. that's the right answer. Okay. And also a Hot Foundation squash match yeah, in there. That is go. a good teaser for our WrestleMania six episode, which I assume <laughs> is probably coming because I've never seen it. So, uh, I'm going to go with a non-media-related thing in a way and go with Comic-Con. Uh, our local Comic-Con was this past weekend. I did not attend last year. The year before, I went alone and just like did a couple photo ops and took off. So I was like pretty unenthused this year. Like, oh, I'll go, I guess. And this time, I actually had someone there with me, which significantly helped. But I feel like it kind of reinvigorated my appreciation for those events. Maybe it was because I met a lot of cool celebrities this time versus like the photo ops that are just, oh, here. Okay, next. Maybe retweet the podcast if that was you that accompanied Sean and just say, yes, I do exist. I showed you a picture of her. She's real. Could have been anyone. Uh, Tom Welling talked mess about his Fog remake. Tom Cavanaugh was really excited to sign a Scrubs picture. Yeah, cool encounters, cool costumes. I'm looking forward to next year now after kind of being like, whatever, I'll go because I have to go. (laughs) Of course I need to do this. Uh, so that's our Phantom Menace episode. So in three years, we'll do Attack of the Clones. Um, although we might, and I won't say it too much because it's not 100%, but we may have a podcast participant who has never, ever seen a single piece of Star Wars media who is willing to break that streak and watch Star Wars for the first time What's to that? do a Star Wars episode. Sorry, just to go back to your original, Star Wars. Your original thing. Was there really only three years between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones? Yeah, it was 99. It felt like a lifetime. No, it was 99, 02, and then 05. That's so funny. Yeah. What's huh. What's crazy is that it's pretty much the exact same amount of time between uh, A New Hope and Phantom Menace that was between Revenge of the Sith and Force Awakens. Right. Hmm. Which yeah. I, I felt like it was much closer for yeah, Force Awakens. Definitely. But, uh, yeah. That's funny. Uh, like us on Facebook. I now started to post all of the accounts in the show notes, so if you don't know how to find us, you can find us there on our Facebook, on our Twitter. Apparently, I think you can review Facebook things. Maybe throw a five-star review and let's see what happens. Uh, Rate us five stars on iTunes. Write a review. You can follow us on Instagram. I know I've said this a few times, even just like, hey, I saw the post go up. Just click the share button. Just click it. 
You don't have to do anything after that. You just click the button, and then all your friends are like, what's this awesome podcast that you didn't tell me about? And they're going to be mad at you for a while. But, but what, it's going to be okay. What if these people that you're addressing weren't on the episode? Everybody should share all of the posts. Oh, everybody. That's fair. <laughs> everybody should share all of the posts all of the time. Uh, you can follow me at Curtis Brunet on Twitter. That's the only place I exist. Yeah, if I, you like Star Wars and you want to hear Curtis talk more about Star Wars, that's a good place to go. If you want to see somebody talk about Star Wars and rant about local politics, that's, yes, follow me on Twitter. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Probably you want to give any of your Twitters? Nah, you can come out come out and watch a Man City game with me. How about that? I'll see you at the Senate on Bank Street. Tomorrow, last game of the season. See you all there. Actually, we'll yesterday. All there. Are we all going to be there? I yesterday? will not be there. We'll all be there yesterday. A hundred percent. But by the time you're hearing this, I saw John Wick, so future me is probably really excited. Star Wars.